get in all the Bible studies, learn. Because we're going to do something before we get started in the Scripture, is the Lord is really impressing, impressing, impressing on me, not only through prayer, not only through my study time, but also through prophetic words that, that have been given to me and prophetic words by folks in our own organization and also outside the organization. We are in wartime right now. And in the wartime, we have won. God is moving in a mighty way. You're going to begin to see things that you've never seen before. God is moving in such a powerful way, but there's an enemy that is coming in and wanting to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's why the last couple of weeks we talked to you about that enemy that comes in and he roars like a, a lion. But let's go ahead and stand. And I, after you stand, I want to particularly say this to you and give you some direction as your pastor. I'm excited about what you are doing. I'm excited about what you are accomplishing. But I, you know, without the raising of hands, I, I, I want to ask this question and, and just answer it in your own heart. How many of you have experienced challenges and, and what I, I'm trying to look for a, a term even more than I was thinking about earlier, but how many of you really feel like you're being tested right now? And so many of you are being tested, and there's so many different things. And the reality of testing, many people want to run. They want to go find that safe place. They want, and you know what? Safe places are good, <laughs> you know? And it's the Word of God. It's in the presence of the Lord is our real safe place. But there is testing that is happening in the body of Christ. Even though the enemy is coming in, like a flood, God is raising up a standard against it, and we need to resist the enemy as we talked about. But I want to say to you that there is a testing of our character. And the testing of our character is really do we believe what we believe? Do we really believe what we believe, or do we move with the challenge? Do we move with, with the, the, <clears throat> the tough time, the tribulation, the uh, situation that, that has arisen in our homes, our businesses, our jobs, whatever it may be. <clears throat> and I want to talk to you about how that we have to resist the enemy. And when you resist something, it's coming at you. You just don't stand there and just like that. When you resist, you take a position and you resist. When there's pressure, you take that position and you resist. You stay steadfast. You stay steadfast. The time, let me just tell you, when there is a testing of the character, I want you to understand that a lot of the character testing is from the Lord. We are resisting the enemy. The enemy is coming, he's attacking I've already brought you for two weeks the messages on the enemy and how he works. That you need to, don't get alone. Don't, don't move into that closet and, you know, that I'm not talking about prayer closet. Don't go hide. Stay together. Be together. Gather the Bible studies, the things that we're doing. 
God is going to uh, test our character and the reality of testing our character because there's a promotion behind it. Okay, I, I gotta say that again, okay? God's testing our character because there's a promotion behind it. Okay, I, I need to say that one more time. God is testing our character because there's a promotion behind it. Yeah. Amen. There's a promotion. And, and, and a lot of times with the pressure, where, where, where do I go? What do I do? What? This is who I am. I'm a child of God. And you, def, you discern whether stuff coming at you is the enemy. And when it's the enemy, you resist him. When it's the Lord, you receive it and you change. Amen? And you change. So join hands together. For all of you that are new here today, I see quite a few of you. I want you to know that we love you. This is Valley Community Church, a church that loves people, loves people. These are amazing people. You come and fellowship with us, and you're going you're gonna to change for the good because these people are amazing, my brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the leading of the Holy Spirit. The words of knowledge, the words of wisdom, the prophetic that is manifesting. In Jesus' name, devil, we know who you are. You have no authority. We come against you. If you have come and attacked families and businesses, whatever, we come against you in Jesus' name. And we say no longer. We resist you by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now, Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides and directs us, the character issues of our lives. If there needs to be change, Lord, show us, reveal it to us. As we move forward into this area, God, you are going to work with a church greater and more different than you've ever had before. And I thank you in Jesus' name that that is done. That Valley community, we will do what you asked us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Give the Lord another applause. Amen. God bless you as you are seated. The title of the series is something I have said to you before. If you've come in my office, premarital uh, counseling, uh, you have heard this from me. There is no such thing as a bad marriage. I'm pausing there because I just shocked most of you. There's no such thing as a bad marriage. You're going to find out that marriage in of itself is not bad. And we're going to begin understanding by God's thoughts today. So I'm going to give you a lot of statements that come from Scripture but we're going to begin with my favorite passage of scriptures that I use constantly all the time when I talk to people about marriage, and that's in Ephesians chapter 5. If you could turn your Bibles there, Ephesians chapter 5. Everywhere I go, church family, people are always asking me about marriage. Everywhere I go, what, what, from the stores to the club, working out, you name it, I'm on vacation, 
I'm at Disneyland, you know, you name it, there are people that are always talking about this subject. And the reason why is because they are desirous of an answer for a question that they don't have the answer yet. And I am going to give you God's thoughts, God's way, and God's plan in marriage. And in this, if you are single, you are sitting here and saying, oh, I got to sit through another marriage seminar or whatever. Don't you look at me that way. I see your eyes. Don't you look at me that way. Because this precious material and wisdom from God works for you as someone who is single also. And uh, so let's go ahead and dive into this. And the first thing that I need to do is, is in Jesus' name, Lord, forgive us for thinking any different regarding our marriage than what you have planned. I'm going to give you some things here. And the first thing that I want to tell you is this. God has a perfect plan for marriage. God has a perfect plan for marriage. The second thing is with this plan, you have a 100% chance of success in marriage. Everyone say 100%. It's not 99.9, it's 100% chance of success in marriage, God's plan. I'm here to tell you, if you feel you have no hope, I'm here to tell you, if you think that's uh, because someone told you that uh, you have emotional problems, spiritual problems, whatever, maybe all of that is true. But if you understand God's plan for marriage, there is no such thing as a bad marriage, and marriage is a success plan of God for God's people. The third thing I want to say to you is God made marriage... And God does not make any mistakes. He made marriage to succeed, not to fail. Most people who start Christian counseling or marital counseling, whatever it may be, many times they begin by saying, what's the problem? Instead of desiring to talk about God's plan and his perfect plan to be, uh, give success in your life. Now, I know some of you are still looking at me the way you were earlier when I said there's no such thing as a bad marriage, and especially when I told you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, because you read that, and maybe even some of you ripped that out of your Bibles. The reason marriage is failing in our society is because we have rejected the Word of God regarding marriage. We have rejected the Word of God. If you go back to the Word of God, you will have, let's say it again, a 100% chance of success in marriage. Now, the reason why I have the privilege to teach you this is you need to know I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And most of us are not either. God had to teach me how to be a husband. And God literally, years ago, reinvented me to love my wife. And if I can do that, anybody can. If I can love my wife, anybody can. Now, church, 
I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to literally destroy the works of the enemy by words. God told, I was talking to someone earlier this morning and, and, and a couple days ago, God told Moses to speak to the rock so that water would come, and the Bible says that he struck the rock. And he was to speak, it's the words, and there are so many of us are filled with words spoken that has brought destruction to our homes. God is doing a new thing. God is going to be ministering through the church, through the marketplace. He's going to be ministering through our homes, home groups, all different things. God is going to absolutely, in America, reinvent the church. The church building, us, this is important. This is where we come and we gather. But it's going to happen in many different phases, many different ways. So I'm going to say this to you. In Jesus' name, I neuter those words that have been spoken over you and spoken over your home. I neuter in Jesus' name the words that you have even spoken. And we've all have. And I pray for hearing ears and a heart that is open to the truth. Depression, hurt, bitterness, unforgiveness, and every evil work, you're done today in Jesus' name. I proclaim that the blood of Jesus covers it all. I proclaim that the blood of Jesus removes it all. Can you agree with me? Amen. Amen. So now follow me, because some of you still despise Ephesians 5. If you have failed in your past, after this message today, you have 100% chance of success in marriage. Ephesians 5 is God's thoughts and his plan for marriage. Now, it's the only place in the Bible we see God's mystery and purpose and his perfect plan. His perfect plan for marriage. So let's begin with an incomplete sentence. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Ephesians 5, 21 says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Okay? Now, refocus your eyes from the Scripture. Focus it on me. In the Bible... Men and women are complete equals. The Bible does not tell women to submit to men. What? It tells us to submit to each other. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. It speaks to husbands and wives. Then it tells wives how to submit to their husbands, and after that, husbands how to submit to their wives. Because we are co-equals, we are equals. And God has set it up how we do that is submission 
which is coming under a mission. Now, Terry and I have been married for 36 years. Amen. And we never talk about who's the boss. Even though she's the boss. No, just kidding. We never talk about who's the boss is because Jesus is the boss in our marriage. Oh, that sounds so poetic, Pastor. And you want to stick your finger in your mouth and act like you're going to gag. His word is our guide. Because what I'm doing now is I'm speaking as I at the beginning repented. I also spoke to the voices that have literally destroyed your even confidence of a chance for success in your marriage. And some of you are saying, yeah, but my husband's not saved. My wife's not saved. And my husband this. My husband's a drunk. My, whatever, whatever it is. This works with every situation you are in. There is hope in every situation. Ephesians 5, verse 21 through 33, we're going to read the whole thing. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word of God. It is talking about the spoken word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Notice husbands, we get the double duty. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones." For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular as individuals so love his own wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the most important text in the word and the world concerning marriage. But Christians, again, generally don't like this passage. In my opinion, there is only one other type of passage that people despise worse than Ephesians chapter 5. And that is the passage that talks about tithing. These two subjects, automatically, I feel in the spirit, resistance. The Bible doesn't say resist God. The Bible says resist the enemy. So most Christian people have a couple of responses to Ephesians 5. Why am I spending a lot of time in this? Because I'm going to break the mold that you have made 
for your thought processes regarding your relationships. The first thing is, we like what it says about our spouse, but not about me. Men love the concept of having a submissive wife. And if a man knows no other scripture in the Bible, a man knows his wife's supposed to submit. It's amazing to me how many people I've sat, I've sat with people at tables in restaurants. They don't attend church, the wife does periodically, the wife's confessed the Lord as savior of her life, the husband is just whatever. He loves his drinking, he loves his drugs, whatever. And it is amazing to me how the man knows one scripture. Isn't my wife supposed to submit to me? (laughs) It's crazy. Now, why do you think that happens? It's because there is a, a complete attack on the home. And there is a major attack on your homes today because God is reinventing, I didn't say changing, I didn't say, he's reinventing the church and the church is gonna be the church in every area. Where the church for years, we've done a disservice to the world is we've made, everyone had to come into the four walls, we lock the doors and we talk for an hour and we leave. Church is you. Church is your home. Church is your business. Church is church. And God is moving in this this new season. And that's why 2018, the Lord's put on my heart outreach. And it's not that we're gonna go ahead and go door to door, knock on doors, all the different things. You know, in today's society, you might get shot. But the reality is, if you're led to do that, then do that. Amen, I'm not coming against that. So don't, don't get all extreme on me here. But what I'm saying to you is the reality is that we have to understand that God is doing something different. And in this, we need to understand, men, what the Bible says about our relationships. The other thing is this, we want our spouse to go first. And I challenge you to go first. I have grandkids. The first words weren't dad, dad, mama, papa, grandma. Their first words are, I'm first. You know how your grandkids are. You know how your kids are. Me first, me first, mine, mine. And the reality is, is, and I'm going to say this, you're going to have to love your pastor, but in many instances, we have not grown up in our relationships. And the reality is, is we've changed it around and we want our spouses now to go first. And I'm saying to you, you go first. I'm saying to you, in your relationships, single folks, you go first. You be the one that shows who you are in Christ. You be the one that says, I'm a child of God. I don't do this, or I do this. You be the head and not the tail. Women say this, well, I'll submit to my husband if he would act a little bit more like Jesus. He acts like the devil. 
Or God has given me permission. No, he hasn't. God has given me permission to keep my husband humble. And it's a mission. Or I can't submit to that. And I want to tell you, yes, you can. Because you're going to understand God's thoughts regarding submission. You're going to understand God's thoughts regarding relationship. Men say this, you know, Gary, if I show any weakness to my wife, I'll be cleaning house all night while the kids are feeding my wife grapes in a bubble bath. I got to be strong. You know what, Gary, you don't understand, I married the devil's ex-wife. I had someone tell me that. And his wife is sitting right there. I got up and looked for horns on her head. Wow, I've never seen the devil's ex-wife. In all the years of reading Ephesians 5, there is a pushback from people. I will sit there, they will come to me, and I will sit there, and I'll, I even have uh, things that I do uh, regarding, there's no such thing as a bad marriage, all the different, and I'll write it down, the parallel line. Some of you have been with me, you remember that. And, and the reality is, is, is there's a pushback. Church, there is no plan B. There's only plan A. That's Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 is God's thoughts and his perfect plan. Now, God's thoughts and his thoughts and plans work for everyone that does it. And you have a 100% chance of success beginning today. But again, here's the tension. It is my job in the next few weeks to prove to you this is God's perfect 100% guarantee of success. Now let me give you several reasons why this works. And it's going to take a few weeks to do this and to cover these. The first reason Ephesians 5 works is the roles in Ephesians 5 make us attractive to our spouse and cause them to open their hearts to us. The roles of the husband and the wife make us attractive to our spouses and open up their hearts to us. This is not a religious ball and chain either. But this is the key to your spouse's heart. You want your spouse's heart? Then live the life that Ephesians 5 talks about. Now, your spouse will not open their hearts to you until you live Ephesians 5 out. You can give them all the money in the world, houses, cars, lands. They will not open up their heart to you until you live Ephesians 5. So since Ephesians 5 starts with women in verse 22, let's describe a man, okay? Since it starts with women, 
Let's describe the man. The mega need of a man is respect. The mega need of a man is respect. Men need honor and respect. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. This speaks of God's redemptive love. And again, wives and husbands are equal. Everyone say equal. Wives and husbands are equal. Because when we read this, this is the third hardest scripture for people to receive. And you want to resist the scripture until you understand God's plan in it. 1 Peter 3.1 says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Verse 2, when they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Some of your Bibles will say the, the word fear is translated respect, respectful or fear. Verse 3, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Now, let me just say this to you. Many people, religious people, have utilized this, said women can't wear makeup, can't do this. That is stupid. For someone to say that's what the Bible says. I had a spiritual father that used to say this. If the barn needs painted... Women, don't look at me like that. You're the one that created that. You won't go out the door without makeup on. All right? Where and go. <laughs> he said, I'll protect you, Pastor. Or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be hidden, the hidden person of the heart. He didn't say, don't wear this or do that. He says, but let the first and foremost thing be of the heart. When we go back to Ephesians 5, we're going to show you it's talking about the heart. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Ladies, just hang on. I'll talk about that, all right, what that means. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah, uh uh-oh, obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Yuck. I don't want my wife calling me Lord. Whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Now, Ephesians 5, at the end, it says respect. Peter is saying, you can change your husband with your chaste, your pure, respectful behavior. Now, let me explain this. Respect is so powerful that in a man, he will change his behavior to those who gives it to us. Why do you think men love work? Because people honor them and respect them for what they do. Men's mega need is respect. Respect is a powerful thing that it is precious 
in the sight of God and an attractive, attractive thing. Many women say this, Gary, I don't have that type of mousy, quiet personality. I'm a strong woman. Ladies, I honor that. I get that. Praise the Lord. But understand, gentle and quiet spirit is not a sign of a beaten down, mousy woman. It's not a sign of you just, oh, just Lord, Lord. No, no, no. That's not what that is. Gentle and quiet is the opposite of rough and loud. Gentle and quiet is opposite of rough and loud. Some of you are uncomfortable. Your pastor loves you. Some of you won't even look at me right now. Because you don't want to have the thoughts when you see me. And I just want to tell you, this is not my idea. This is God's idea. And men, I know you're getting happy right now. But just wait. I'm going to... So gentle and quiet is a spirit of a woman that has faith that her God is powerful enough to change her husband. When you're being gentle and quiet, when you're respecting your husband, when you're trusting God, listen closely, you are your husband's equal in every way. Every way. You have the right to say anything you want to say to your husband. But here's the question. Who is the enforcer? You or the Holy Spirit? Who is the enforcer? You or the Holy Spirit? Ladies, something you believe is wrong in your home. You go to your husband and say, honey, I think you need to spend more time with your kids. You need to be home more. My opinion, you need to do this. You are free, biblically, to say anything you want to your equal, who is your husband. But who is the enforcer? If you are the enforcer, you will in turn dishonor in the relationship and things will go south. It'll go south. So this is what you do. You're not a mousy, quiet woman. You're a strong woman. But this is what you do. Say things like, honey, I love you. Then you go up to him and say, honey, you're such a hunk. And if you're lying, Jesus will forgive you. <laughs> you're, you're getting too serious on me. Say, honey, I disagree with a few things. And then you stop. And he may react wrongly. You know how men are? You know how we are? And we normally do. <laughs> but he may react wrongly. That's okay. But here's how you act on it. Get in your prayer closet and seek the Lord on it. 
be gentle in person and violent in prayer. Be gentle in person and violent in prayer. To you single ladies, let me just tell you this. There's a bunch of jerks out there that they only want one thing from you. Be gentle in spirit, but be violent in prayer, kicking those men's behinds in prayer. That they have no place in your life. And the moment that they even get near you to try to sway you or whatever, the Lord kicks their behind. Because you've been violent in prayer. Amen. Who's the enforcer of the word in your life? It's the Holy Spirit. And if some jerk is out there trying to come single ladies and coming after you or whatever, I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit's already heard your prayer, already heard warfare, and is there protecting you and will kick their behind. Amen. Be gentle in person and violent in prayer. You again are the husband's equal in every way. But the Bible says this, if your husband is being disobedient to the word, without a word, you can change him as he observes your chaste and respectful behavior. And let me, let me tell you the best part of this. As you're respecting him, you become more attractive and you draw him to you. You draw him to you. Okay, ladies, take a deep breath. Now we will switch to the men. The number one need of a woman is security. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Or, can be said, or laid down his life for her just like Jesus did for the church. Let me say it this way, men. We are to be a sacrificial husband laying down our life for our wives, nourishing her and cherishing her. question, is it true that's what makes a man attractive to his wife? <laughs> yeah. You know, a study was done. I laughed at this till I cried. It was at the University of Washington. They asked the question, when is your husband most attracted or attractive to you? And at the top of the list, in all the tests they did, this is always a response. <laughs> he is most attractive when he is doing housework. <laughs> Jeez, there we go again, right, guys? Then they did, watch this, an effect of male sweat on women. Most of you would go, male sweat, yuck. This was done at 
University of Pennsylvania, and the University of California. Now, this is kind of weird what they did. They didn't tell the women, but took a drop of male sweat and put it on top of the lip of a woman. And when they told the women what they did, many researchers died. No, they didn't. <laughs> they took the sweat and put it on top of the lip and then wired them up so they could register a reaction. When women are under the effects of male sweat, they relax, they get happy, and they feel romantic. Some of you said, I've been to basketball games and I'm not romantic at all. <laughs> Matter of fact, I don't know what's going on, some women say. So, what is the interpretation of all that is just said, men? Here's a conclusion. Men, you're just a clean house away from the night of your dreams. <laughs> For someone that didn't get it, go ahead and tell them what I just said. So next time you're frustrated men with cleaning the house, after you're done, walk by your wife slowly <laughs> and wink at her. But isn't it interesting what God tells us to do to make us more attractive to the opposite sex? It's found in Ephesians 5. There's no such thing as a bad marriage. God created it. We're co-equals. When, when you get these men that have no clue what the word says, well, doesn't the Bible say you're supposed to submit to me? Just say, yeah, but the Bible says you're supposed to submit to me. Then watch the argument. No such thing as a bad marriage because God created marriage. God created how you and I relate to each other. The problem is, we don't know the creator like we should. And we don't do it God's way. God didn't create marriage for happiness. He created it for agreement. So when agreement flows, happiness arrives. Agreement comes because we understand that we are all equals. I am sad, but I crack up at the world. They spend billions and trillions of dollars trying to train men how to be women and how women to understand men. And I just want to tell you, it's ridiculous. Men be men, women be women. But we need to get to a place of understanding is that God says men and women are equal. And then before he talks to the women how to submit, before he talks to the man how to submit, he tells us in an incomplete sentence in verse 21, he tells us that we are to submit one to another. Most marriages have no plans. 
you got a business, you go out to businessmen and, and you start a business and you got a business plan. You know everything about that, but you have no clue what plan is in your home. What's the plan of your home? What, what is God? The plan of your home is not, let's buy a bigger home, let's get another car, let's, and that's part of it. The plan in your home is that you both are equals. And that when you understand how to submit to one another and you understand your place in the area of, of when I say your place, that's another term that a lot of people, you're telling, look at that pastor, he's telling them I got a place. Well, everyone's looking for a safe place. Well, let me give you the safe place. It's the word of God. Amen? It's the word of God. And we need to be strong in this because the enemy laughs at our religious stuff. He laughs at it. There's no power in religion. He laughs at it because we can say all that we say, but when we're not living it and thinking it and it's becoming us, then what happens is agreement never takes place and happiness never arrives. But if you do it God's way, you have 100% chance of success. We're just going to touch on the second reason. And when we come back, we're going to have a lot of fun with this one next week. The second reason why Ephesians 5 works is the roles in Ephesians 5 release the potential in our spouse. You have an explosive manifestation, call of God in your life. You have an ability that will transcend all lives. You have that. And God's plan for the marriage, watch this, Ephesians 5 talks about the church and talks about the marriage. Talks about the relationship between us and God. Talks about the relationship between husband and wife and intermingles it together. That literally the power of your call, the power of your ability as husband and wife can not only transcend your home and, and display the power of God, but it will work in your neighborhood. You can change your city. You can change your state. You can change your country. You can change the world if God's people would realize that God's perfect plan is marriage. And it works 100% of the time. Hallelujah. Let's all stand.